Carl. It's back. Uh, it's good to have you back on Firm Firmaterra, I suppose, in the U.S. Uh, they call it the mainland, Lynn. When you're in Hawaii, <laughs> it's the mainland. And that means, like, the other 48 states. Alaska is, like, its own thing. There were actually people from Alaska in Hawaii. And I'm like, oh, these are people that are uh, trying to knock the last two states off of their list. Well, it's good to have you back. Good to have your technical expertise. And I I think that since you've been back, you have hit the ground running. You've been a busy guy. Yeah, I've been to three other states since I touched back on the mainland. So. A lot of well, things happened. In just a moment, we will be speaking with people from the Prism Theater Company, including Trish Schmidt and Joy Adler, who run the place, with actresses Avery Lux and Ashley Bauman about their new show, Wrens. Then around minute 27, Rebel. Around minute 32, Sitting in Bars with Cake. Around minute 38, Movies That We've Missed. Around minute 42, A Million Miles Away on Amazon Prime. Around minute 44, Yellowstone is going to be on CBS. And then around minute 48, Elise and Tom. Well, for this week's episode, we are going across the pond to uh, Merry Old England for a look back at uh, World War II and a very integral part of the whole war effort in a play called Wrens, which I had never heard of, and I am so happy to, uh, once I started reading about it, I was like, well, we have to talk to um, Prism. So we have uh, we have the theater artist, part of the cast, and the director here from Prism Theater Company. And if you haven't heard of Prism, they were on the A-list for St. Louis Magazine this year. And what exactly was the award that you received, Trish? We received the editor's choice for best theater newcomer. Uh -huh. we, we were so thrilled to receive that this year. It was a real honor for us. Yeah, that was really impressive. And uh, that list, I'm I'm part of the culinary team for St. Louis Magazine. So I got to help pick those, but I didn't get to pick any theater. So I was pleasantly surprised at the list. So uh, why are you doing, well, let's introduce everybody. And Trish, you can introduce everybody if you'd like to. Okay, great. Uh, so sure. I'm, I'm Trish Brown and I'm the producing artistic director of PRISM and also the director of this show. Then we also have Joy Adler, my partner, who is our producing managing director for PRISM and working on this show, obviously. Then we're thrilled that we have two of our actors with us today. We have Avery Lux, who is doing Jenny in the production. And we have Ashley Bauman, who is doing Gwyneth in the show. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. And Ashley, I would be remiss if I didn't say what a great job you did in the uh, Midnight Show. What now? Why am I blanking, Carl? It was years. very. Yes, yes. The years. <laughs> it was Thank very, so it was very delightful. And you, you were such a delight in that. She played the sister who are, well, a sister, but a cousin who kind of meddles in things. <laughs> Congratulations on your meddling. <laughs> Thank you. Always a joy. Yes. And Avery is fresh from one of the best productions of the year, Caroline or Change, that Fly North did, Carl. 
So big fans of Fly North. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so so you've got a powerful cast, Trish. Yeah, we're really, really blessed with this group of women. I honestly have to say that this has been one of the highlights of my directing time because I've worked in professional theater for a lot of years. And this particular cast, sometimes you just hit a moment where everything comes together perfectly. And all eight of these actors who are on this show are amazing. And there has never been a moment that I think Joy and I have not wanted to be in the rehearsal room. So that's a gift. Well, this play begins this weekend and uh, everybody uh, make time for it. I know it's a busy time of year, <laughs> but to uh, promote women and to promote different things in theater, you know, to see good theater is a good thing. And you have to support live theater in town. And this play just is intriguing. So how did you come across it and why did you think it was a good fit for your group? Well, I came across this play many years ago when I was in Roosevelt University's graduate program in Chicago, and I was looking for an MFA thesis project to direct, and Anne McGravy is a local playwright in Chicago. There was a company up there called Rivendell Theater Ensemble who had just produced the show about two years earlier, and so it was getting quite a bit of attention and it was suggested to me. I read it. I reached out to Anne. I fell in love with it. And that was my first experience working with Renz. Uh -huh. the, the show itself, because it centers around seven women who really the theme of the show is wanted to know that they had made a difference and were willing to sacrifice many things in their own lives to go into the service, into the British Navy Naval Service and work there. It it felt like a very good natural fit for us because it uplifts women and it also provides wonderful opportunities for seven actors to perform in very complex roles. <laughs> and that's really rare. I mean, you know, other than like none shows, you know, it it's, is. it's yeah. very rare to have I, meaty roles I, like that. I think something else that's exciting about this show is, you know, our one of the main pillars of our mission at PRISM is to, like Trish said, support and up, uplift the work of women in theater. And even though that's been our mission from the beginning, we haven't had the opportunity to do a show that is all women up until now. So this is the first show that we're doing that is the full cast is women. Um, and speaking to what Trish said, that's just made for a really unique and um, heartwarming experience in the rehearsal room, I think you know, any woman that's been in a room that's just women can understand that feeling. And it's just really special to get to create in that environment. So Avery and Ashley, why don't you tell us about your roles and why you were attracted to these parts? Avery, would you like to go first? Sure. <laughs> um, so I play a character named Jenny um, in this show. She is a young Welsh woman, um, and I have really, I didn't really know much about the show when auditioning, other than um, it sounded like a really unique and fun show to be involved in, and, and an ensemble show, and I'm really attracted to ensemble shows where you really get to bond and know every character in the play, and each character has equal 
weight and you get to know all their personalities and how they um, work together or work work against each other. Um, But since working on it, I have just loved getting to play Jenny. Um, I've loved exploring some of her similarities to me and a lot of her differences (laughs) um, than me, which is always fun as an actor. I'm not going to say too much about her because I don't want to give anything away for everyone who's going to come and see it. But um, it's just been a real complicated, complex role. And Jenny is a very complicated, complex woman with many different sides to her. And it's been really, really fun to explore that with my other cast mates and um, with Trish and Joy and just being in the rehearsal process has been wonderful well that's great that's great um ashley yeah i will absolutely echo what avery just said being in the rehearsal process for this gargantuan show has been honestly kind of a dream come true because it's a complicated show it's one that i can see uh being done if, if we didn't put the effort in that we have put in, that Trish has spearheaded, it would not be as powerful or impactful. The script has a lot of power to it. The characters are all incredibly heartfelt. My character, Gwyneth, uh, I fell in love with her. Um, not, not necessarily the first time that I read through the script, <laughs> but... Uh, getting to portray her and all of the complexities that she has... Um, and, and the struggles that she's experiencing that kind of overlap with a lot of the other, other women's struggles has been just an experience that I did not expect fully when I started this process, but it's, it's been such a thorough and deeply, deeply touching experience to actually you know get to bring these characters to life uh Gwyneth is uh just a little bit about my character is um she's so lively she's just very energetic very dynamic and the way she interacts with the other characters is none of them are the same none of the interactions are are the same across the board it's different for every single person that's that's in the cabin with her. Um, Jenny is her best friend in the cabin, but they're very different people. They're, they're, you know, two Welsh women and that accent process has been a fun (laughs) journey. Yeah. (laughs) Avery and I have connected quite a bit on um, how to pronounce certain words. Um, Yeah. But it's, it's been so much fun. It's been so much fun. Um, it's been a, a little bit of an emotional ride and I, I really cannot wait for people to see this show. Well, that's, that's what I was about to ask. Wren's means women's Royal Naval service. This was the women's auxiliary of the British <laughs> Royal Navy. And so does that mean that you are all are sporting accents? Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> we have Welsh and English and Scottish. Which are different, which, you know, to the untrained ear. Oh, well, that they're just, you know, they're doing UK accents. No, you actually have, you know, 
the Welsh and the Scottish are very different than the English accents. It's funny you say that. That's actually a line. You know, one of the characters mentions that Americans can't tell any of them apart. So it's funny you say that. Oh, well, I just noticed when you, when you hear British, uh, when you hear UK actors talk in their real vernacular, like James McAvoy, Scottish, Christian Bale, Welsh, you you can tell. Yeah, but that's that's what I just am fascinated by accents. So who is your dialect coach? Actually, we don't have a dialect coach. We did something a little different this time and we used a special service. Would you guys like to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, So this is an online service and you go on there and you search for whichever dialect you're wanting to work on or you can search by region and you scroll to the region and then you can find different coaches listed um, under those regions and you just book an online session with them. It's over Zoom and it's an actor from that area whose natural dialect is that dialect. And normally, I think there's probably other dialect coaches that do multiple dialects as well. But the the woman I worked with was actually from Cardiff, Wales, and we had where they session. filmed Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, we had a session um, where she went through, you know, kind of the basic um, differences and vowel placement and all that, and it, it was it was really helpful, and I highly recommend it. And Trish, I am blanking yeah, on the name of it. If you can, it's okay. It's called Twang NiceTwang.com, nice. and. Um, a lot of actors and theaters are starting to use the service because you can actually have one-on-one coaching that gives the actors an opportunity to really learn the specific dialect that they need. Um, It's been great for us. We decided to try it out and also then they can work and they can book multiple sessions if they need it and be able to, the actor or the actor that they're working with at Nice Twang will even help them if they have like a specific sentence, they'll record it for them and they can work with it and learn it. Yeah. So well, that is, that's a really neat challenge uh, because you guys are playing. I always say you guys, I went to an all girls school. So <laughs> <laughs> um, because you're playing women of the greatest generation, uh, I think of my mom's generation because she was born in 1930 and uh her her name was Rosemary, and so we had Rosie the Riveter things, you know, for her. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Rosie the Riveter was the American version of a rah rah war effort. And so, what have you learned about these women, the time they lived in, and also from their perspective of helping the war effort? Then, what what ha- how have you uh, been changed by this experience? Wow. Yes. Good question. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I think it's it's been a very interesting dive into kind of the difference between how the UK was involved in World War II and how America was involved in World War II. Because, of course, we have Rosie the Riveter. Of course, we all had rationing. Um, but I, I feel like because the proximity to the actual action of the war was so much closer to the women 
in the UK, there's a, a kind of a layer of somberness to it. There's, there's a little bit of um, like deep sadness to how they have been experiencing it. But at the same time, specifically the Wrens uh, who have, you know, volunteered their services for it, it's completely liberating in a different way, if that makes any sense. Because, you know, in, in the 1940s, their expectations for their lifestyle was more along the lines of, okay, you go to school and then you find a husband and you get married and you settle down and you have a family and that's it. That's no jobs, nothing like that. Uh, your, your husband provides your income and uh, you sit at home and wait on your family, essentially. So it's so different to actually have the independence. Of course, they have rules in, in the military, but to have the independence to do things that don't necessarily mean they have to benefit a man in your in your family. So there is a, a level of freedom that they have not experienced hitherto this war that you know, it, it, the end of the play, or the, this play is set at the end of the war. So a, a pretty good through line for one of the themes is what happens next? How do I deal with giving up this freedom, this, this certain brand of freedom that I've had for the last five years, five, six years? And it's not something I'd ever thought of before. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, never thought of, of that kind of that particular perspective because of course modern women i have a job i have a couple of jobs right now so it it doesn't blow my mind it didn't blow my mind to think of that in modern times but back then your expectations were completely different and they have to ask the question what is going to happen when i have to give this up what's next well, that was the thing. After World War One, they disbanded the Wrens, and after World War Two, they kept them going because they were. They said this is actually a good program for the people that are in it. Yeah, and then it was absorbed. I think it was in the '60s it went through, and then it was absorbed into the actual Royal Navy, and the women became, you know, members of the British Navy versus the Wrens being its own organization. Um, the playwright, interestingly enough, was one of the last living Wrens from that time in World War II. And she was a friend of mine for years thereafter. And sadly, she passed away last summer. So I was very sorry that she was no longer with us. But she was a lovely little Scottish woman who was she was very petite and fiery. Oh, my goodness. And told us many stories about her life in the Wrens that never made it into this play. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, there were very strong women then, and uh, I think in history, uh, uh, because being World War II, it's so vast. But this is the night before, and correct me if I'm wrong, the night before VE Day. Yes, it takes place on the night before, and then on actual VE Day, it spans oh. two days. Aha! Uh -huh. So that's a to me, that's a really neat perspective. It's a very unusual perspective because all of these women are struggling with the idea that they should be 
thrilled that the war is over. But as Ashley said, the contradiction to that is, but wait a minute, we've built a life here and we have jobs that we actually get respected for doing. And what is going to happen to us when all of a sudden we're expected to go back to a life that we essentially have outgrown? So it's an interesting thing to play with, an interesting dynamic. So you're going to be at the Kranzberg Black Box starting on, is it Friday that you start? Yes, no, Friday the 15th. The 15th. Yeah. So it's going to be September 15th through the 24th, and it's going to be the weekends. Correct. Uh, so, so Friday and Saturday, 8 o'clock. 7.30. Oh, 7.30. And then Sunday at uh, 2 p.m. Correct. Well, the last time you were in the Kranzberg Black Box, I think that's where you've been performing, correct? Um, yes. For Doubt, you took an unusual approach to that space for your set. So uh, what do you have planned for, for this show? Well, this show, because this is all, it all takes place in what they called a Nissan hut, so it's basically like a, if you pictured a loaf of bread that was tin, <laughs> that's what it looked like, a shaped loaf of bread that's long and narrow. And it was very, very short. Um, it had very um, limited ceiling space. And then it set on a concrete slab. So literally the tin and the concrete were the only thing that kept you from the elements. So we are taking advantage of the length of the black box to create a Nissan hut that we're very cozy with our audience in. So we're bringing you right into the world. And these women had to exist in very close quarters in a really difficult space that only had one small stove, coal stove to keep them warm. So it's an interesting environment to step into and it's very stark as it would have been. And the blackout curtains because there were bombing raids and you couldn't have any light show through. Um, because you could potentially be bombed if they could see you from above. So we are dealing with all of the interesting aspects of World War II that I think people will enjoy seeing the world that these women lived in and how they interact in it. I think this is just a tremendous thing and, and kudos to you for bringing uh, making us aware of this because when when I first when I first got the press release, I was like, this is something that you, you don't hear of. And it, to my knowledge, it hasn't been done here. No, it has not been done. Um, actually, it didn't get done in many places. And that kind of surprised me. So I'm hoping that people will find this script and realize the value of it, because there's a lot to be said for it. Um, you have to pay attention in this play. It's not an easy sort of come in and watch a lot of big dramatic action. Um, it's about their lives and their struggles in their world. And that's what we're bringing you into. So I think it's also a lot of fun. There are delightful moments of humor and joy and passion. And there are moments of real struggle and um, difficulty. Uh -huh. Well, you can go to prismtheatercompany.org and that's theater spelled the correct and, you know, the British way, R-E, <laughs> prism theatercompany.org and you can find out tickets and times and everything that you need to know all right and so what what comes next after this um next after this we are hoping by the end of 
November to be announcing our 2024 season. And our plan is that in 2024, little teaser, we're going to be doing our first musical. Oh, wow. Stay tuned. Exciting. Yes, stay tuned. Yes. So uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Anything you want to make sure to say before uh, we let you go for your very busy day and and, uh, tell anybody about the show? Yeah, I'll just add um, to what Carl mentioned. You can get tickets online at presenttheatercompany.org. Currently, Friday night, our opening performance is sold out. So don't try to come to that one. Very exciting. But there's plenty of other performances you can still get tickets to. You can get them online or at the door at the Cransburg when you arrive. All right. And uh, um, Sunday, just FYI, free parking. <laughs> yeah, great park. I always, always like to mention that. Uh, and uh, also, uh, tell us who else is in the cast. So, yeah, sure. So we have Sam Hayes playing the part of Dawn. We have Sadie Harvey playing the part of Cynthia. We have Sarah Nauman playing the part of Doris. Jade Cash playing the part of Meg. And Cameron Roll playing the part of Chelsea. And then we have our fabulous swing, Carly Uding, who has who is swinging all seven characters. So um, she's been an incredible part of the team along the process. Oh, great. If you have and a question, who- ask her because she's she knows the whole play. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow, that's that, that's a remarkable. Well, this is really exciting. And thank you for your time, because I know it's tech week for you all and you're very busy and and uh, we really appreciate your time. Thank yeah, you. Thank you so for much. having me. Yeah. This has really been a delight, Lynn. Thank you so much. Thank well, you. Thank, thank you. And, and thank and, you, uh, Carl. <laughs> you're welcome. I'm sorry they're testing the building sirens while we're trying to talk to you. So oh, no. <laughs> good. Well, it's because I keep muting myself. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, you all take care, break a leg and I will thank see you. you so su- I will see you Sunday. Yes. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Welcome thank you into our world. Thank you. Once again, right. it is prismtheatercompany.org where you can find out all the information. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Stay safe. As uh, we have, uh, uh, there's so many COVID cases right now, Carl. It's very scary. And uh, I just got over a very nasty one. So I encourage everybody to sign up for that new vaccine in the fall upcoming, maybe next month. It has just been uh, allowed for everyone six and up. Because this this new variant, uh, this wiped me out. So I'm glad to have my voice back. <laughs> if anybody listened last week, that was not the case. <laughs> and uh, we, but, uh, but you, but you saw some movies that were streaming. I did because uh, through quarantine, I was not allowed to go to the screenings. Uh, so anyway, I just saw one of the most harrowing films of the year called Rebel. But it's not streaming. It's going to be in theaters on Friday. But this this uh, movie is so impactful. It is gritty, intense, harrowing. It takes place uh, in Belgium, Iraq, and Syria. 
And this is when Syria is bombing. And this is, uh, they, they make it personal because it is a, a family, a, a single mom with two sons. Her oldest son is in, in trouble and he decides he's going to get his life together and go help the go help uh, refugees in Syria. Well, he's forced to join ISIS. And then back home, his 12-year-old brother is being recruited by ISIS. And the mom is trying to keep him safe from harm out of that and it's called rebel it was at con uh last summer and it is an awards magnet right now and it is done by the guys uh that did bad boys for life so that's quite a departure oh wow yeah it's also up for a whole bunch of awards uh it's it was nominated it won best score and it was nominated for Best Actor, Best Actress, and it's uh, Magret Films. So that's the, uh, I guess those are the Brussels Academy Awards. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's just, it's two hours and 16 minutes. And I tell you, I was, I did have to t- turn my head away a couple times. So it is intense. There are scenes of torture. Uh, just want to say that out loud. And uh, but it's the acting is quite good. The re- there's musical interludes, which sounds weird, but the main character is a rapper known as D- DJ Kowalski. And so they is that use- is that why it won best score in the Belgian Academy Awards? Yeah, because they have a part of songs where he raps about what's happening in humanity and it is so gripping oh my god i was just did you see that movie uh many years ago um it was up for the academy award and it it was an awards magnitude called the prophet yeah i believe i did see that yeah it took place in a prison yeah so this reminds me of that although this is right in the war zone this is in a war zone this is uh I, I don't want to give anything away, so I'm going to stop there. But it's definitely uh, one to watch to see how easy it is for these recruiters to work their way into radicalizing young men. Well, and also these are the same guys that did the Batgirl movie that DC shelved, and they're going to do the next Bad Boys movie with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. So they liked them enough for the third one to do the fourth one. Yeah. So it, it's it's uh, just eye-opening. So what uh, else did you see, Lynn? I saw Sitting in Bars with Cake, which I enjoyed, but I do have to warn people it starts off fun and frothy and then it takes a turn and becomes heartfelt and sincere. I don't want to give things away, but it's not at all what you think. Now, hold on, Lynn. You keep saying you don't want to give things away. And this is because somebody on your radio show said that you're giving (laughs) too much away of the plot. I don't think you do that. 
I think some people just want to go into movies blind, which I understand that's what they want to do. But I don't think you give enough. You're not giving away too much of the plot. So what's going on in sitting in bars with cake? Two lifelong friends. They've been friends since their childhood in Phoenix. Uh, They are played wonderfully by Yara Shahidi. You might recognize her from the reboot of uh, Peter Pan and, wendy that disney did uh it's on disney plus right now right she played tinkerbell she was also in the tv show blackish she was zoe for all its seasons and she was also on grownish for um that that spinoff series that was that was on freeform so she's been on disney a lot so she was on abc and then she went to freeform and then she was in the Tinkerbell. So she was in Peter Pan and Wendy. So she is part of the Disney machine. I'm guessing this is not part of the Disney machine. Oh, no. She is the plain Jane. She loves to bake. Her parents want her to go to law school. Her parents are played wonderfully by Naveed Nagavin, who is in a ton of movies, and he's always good. And her mom is Adina Porter. And they both want her to go to law school, and that's what she's trying to please them. But she's She's an introvert while her roommate, Corinne, who is played by Odessa Azion, she's the live wire. She's the extrovert. She's the one that's on the bar doing karaoke and dressing flamboyantly and and being the life of the party. And her parents are wonderfully played by Ron Livingston and Martha Kelly. And they are just so but uh, Ron Livingston plays this auto mechanic. <laughs> so when when they come to visit, he's like uh you know, putting grout on the shower and he's doing all this work at house and he's like, Do you have WD forty? He's being a real dad, you know, <laughs> trying to do this. But so both girls, um, they are living in LA, 20 somethings, trying to find their way in the world. And so they, uh, one night, it's Corinne's birthday. So Jane brings this beautifully decorated chocolate cake to the bar. And it's to be eaten later. But these guys are salivating and enticed by this cake. And everybody goes crazy for it. So her roommate hatches his plan. You know, to get you out more, to get you out of your comfort zone. Why don't we make a plan for you to bake cakes and we're going to take them to all these different bars. So they map out L.A., the all the different neighborhoods of L.A. And like we got Barker Bar, we got a drag show roller rink, we got tech bros, we got uh, hipster nerds. So they they map out this whole thing and they show how she made 50 cakes in a year. And they give the they give the title of the cake, and the cakes are beautiful. They actually had a food stylist, culinary producer, named Megan Pothoff. She worked for Wolfgang Puck for eight years as the pastry chef, and she now is a food stylist for for like she was Iron Chef and uh, Master Chef. Okay. She also did the food for Babylon, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> there was anyway, food in that movie <laughs> yeah so this is based on a real life story audrey shulman she's the baker and her best friend in life chrissy 
was her roommate and they really did this. And so she did a blog sitting in bars with cake, which became a cookbook, which is now a movie. So oh. it's very, it's, it's their lives and it's how things change in a year, very drastically. And it's about young women forging their identity and finding their way. Okay. And this is on Amazon prime. Yes, it is. And somebody told me they turned it off after a half hour because they just thought it was too, you know, fluffy. And I said, oh. but but then then there's a big <laughs> twist. Yeah, I said, oh, he might want. So it it winds up to be a very sweet ode to friendship. Okay. And it really makes you want to have a piece of cake afterwards. I like cake. Cake yeah. is great. I I've had cake the last four weeks in a row because when you go on vacation, there is cake. Yes, and also to celebrate your 25th anniversary with your lovely bride, Nicole. And so congratulations on that, Carl. Thank you very much. But that that also meant that I have not seen any movies. I've barely caught up on Only Murders in the Building, and I'm actually behind on that again. And I'm almost caught up with Ahsoka. So all these things, all these movies, I didn't get to see any of them. Uh, and kind of like when you couldn't leave the house I was not at home to see movies. So um, I, I want to see movies that are out. I just haven't. Right. Well, they did not show Equalizer 3 to us. and Which is unfortunate uh, because I hear that it, it's Denzel. Yeah. It's and, Denzel, Fanning. And, it's, and it's Anton Fuqua who directed him in Training Day and the previous Equalizers. Right. And then uh, we m- missed... Oh, a couple things, but we're getting back at it now. Um, I missed A Haunting in Venice, which starts Friday, but I am going to see it as a paying customer on Thursday night. So oh, we will have that I, for next week. My wife wants to see that, too. So we will probably do as you did and pay for it. Yes, we yeah, actually be- can't. We want to pay for movies. We want to see them. Well, A Haunting in Venice uh, Venice looks really good. It is based on the Agatha Christie book. Like the previous two were. Yeah. Um, And Kenneth Branagh is back playing Hercule Poirot. And uh, it's uh, Max said it is in between murder and death on the Nile. Right. Murder on the Orient Express. I think also that I think Max thinks that because he does not. He didn't like the fact that they did murder on the Orient Express first, which is what they had to do to make this franchise. But murder on the Orient Express is Perot's final case. And so that's not how they're doing that in this cinematic Christie verse. Yeah, well, this has an element of supernatural to it. And uh, Michelle Yeoh plays a medium or a psychic and mm-hmm. uh also, the cast has Tina Fey, which really intrigues me. Kelly Riley from uh, from Yellowstone. And who else is in this cast? Oh, Jamie Dornan. Ah. So it should be very interesting. That's why I'm excited about it. It's only one hour and 40 minutes, too. And what else is opening? Oh, have you seen... You were no. so not invited to my bat mitzvah. No, I have not. After you told me about it, I wanted to see it, but I, I have not. I See, here's the thing. When I was on the plane 
they were showing all these movies because, you know, you're flying to Hawaii. And I said, oh, I'm going to watch movies that I need to catch up on. And I wasn't in the mood to see Shazam. I wasn't in the mood to see DC Super Pets. But John Wick 4, which I still have not seen yet, was on there. And I'm like, oh, wow, this will be interesting to watch on a plane. And then there's a little thing on there. It says this film has been edited. And I don't I wasn't going to watch the plane edit version of John Wick 4. If I'm going to watch John Wick 4, I'm going to go all in. So I did not watch any movies on my five hour plane ride. Oh, wow. Wouldn't you wouldn't you want to see the real John? If you're going to watch a sanitized John Wick, you don't want to see that, do you? No, no, because especially since some of our uh, colleagues in the St. Louis Film Critics Association are talking about the incredible stunt work that is in John Wick. And we, we may give an award for stunts this year and also the special effects. And Alex McPherson, who writes for my website, poplifestl.com, yeah. he loved John Wick 4 and his review is really good. And it makes me want to see it. So I have to put that on the list. Um, there's another movie coming out this week on Amazon Prime starting Friday called A Million Miles Away. And the great character actor, Michael Penn, is the lead. And he plays Michael real- Pena. Pena. Michael Pena from from his most mainstream. He's been in hundreds of things, but his most mainstream thing I could say for people that might not know who he is. He's an Ant-Man. He's one of the criminal trio in Ant-Man and he's hilarious. He is. He is. He was in World Trade Center. If you saw that. And uh, this week we've had a lot of focus on 9-11 and he uh, was he in Third Watch with uh um, I, I don't one. know. The one with Jake Gyllenhaal playing the cops in L.A. I think he was. Anyway, Pena, Michael Penn is Sean Penn's brother who's musically. Yeah, he, he was he was he was an end of watch, but he's also been in American Hustle. He was in Crash. He was in uh, uh, he was on Narcos in the first season of that. And he was also been on uh, Jack Ryan uh, on Amazon. I'm glad you said end of watch because I knew third watch wasn't right. Wasn't there end of watch. And that's yeah. the Jake Gyllenhaal movie, which is really good. And people need to see that. That's one of those hidden gems. So streaming mm-hmm. is really up on their game this fall, Carl. We're going to be seeing a lot of movies that start at the theater, but then go to their home on Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu, Hulu, by the way, will start streaming Theater Camp this Friday. Good. And we have air not only on Amazon Prime, because Amazon Studios made it, but also you can get it now on DVD. So okay. it was available to uh, Monday. And then uh, we have... I'm blanking now the list I gave you. Well, I well, I want to say something. If you've never seen Yellowstone, it's going to be on CBS after the football games and after 60 minutes, uh, starting with episode one, season one. So if you're like me and don't have Paramount Plus or the Paramount Network and you've never and you've wanted to watch Yellowstone, 
and are trying to get into it, this is the time to get into it. But just like John Wick on the plane, it is network television on CBS. So there is not going to be any Beth Dutton nudity, nor is there going to be any swearing. I don't know how they're going to uh, cut around the nudity. And I am curious of what they're doing about the swearing, whether bleeping or they're overdubbing or anything. But if you don't have those streaming services, which is that's a problem because, you know, they did a study this week of how much it would cost you to watch every single football game if you were a fan of the NFL. And because you have to if you want the red zone, that's on YouTube and that costs money. But like you also have Amazon Prime to see the Amazon games. You have to have ESPN Plus to get the Monday Night Football games. You have to have uh peacock to get the sunday night football games and so it was like several thousand dollars to watch every single game if you so wanted to on this 2023-24 football season so if you don't have anything and you're like i'm missing the buzz and you wanted to watch yellowstone right now it's on free tv starting sunday from episode one without the nudity and the swearing well, I'm going to watch it because to me, it just makes sense that I can start with episode one because everybody was talking about this for so many years. And because uh, we see so many movies and I have to see a lot of theater, uh, my TV watching is limited. So I'm very excited to be able to dig in from from episode one and go from there. And it's Kevin Costner and it's Kelly Riley and uh, the sons. Isn't Wes Bentley one of the sons? I, I don't know. I'm going to find out on Sunday. Yeah. So we will. We will. And and, and I hope it lives up to its. <laughs> but but see, that, that that's the thing without the nudity and the swearing. And it's also they're not they're editing that stuff out, but they're not editing out any content. So it's scheduled to run for one hour and twenty nine minutes. So that's kind of weird. And but, it is. Well, they're just, you know, they it's strike and it's after football. So the times are all weird anyway. Right. And I uh, because of the strike, we're going to get all these insipid awards uh, and not worship, but uh, reality, reality shows. shows. And I'm sick of those. I mean, these faux celebs that are in the bachelor, the bachelorette, the real housewives and everything. Who are these people? And, and he says, as a, they write about them all the time. And it's like, are these people really worth paying attention to? So I'm glad to have content that is actually scripted and I'm going to really enjoy this. And also from the movies, we were talking about streaming elemental from Pixar is now on Disney plus. I hope it gets a bigger audience. It was, it was maligned when it came out. I think it'll work better possibly on TV. That's what I was thinking because you and I both enjoyed it and it's very visually breathtaking. And I am hoping that it translates. The, end, the ending is dumb. Yeah. The, you were right on that. I agree. I agree with that. Um, there's a documentary that starts Friday in theaters locally, and it's called Elise and Tom. And I know you know what this is about. Uh, Bossa Nova, which was really big when I was growing up in the 60s, the, uh, they recorded Elise Regina and Tom Jobin. Uh, they recorded what is considered the best 
bossa nova album ever. And if you're not familiar with the song Aguas de Marco, uh, you would recognize it in a heartbeat. Just the couple of notes of it. So this album, and the two artists didn't like each other. So this is the process of recording this great seminal Bossa Nova album. And it's beautiful music and it's artistic temperaments. And it's an enjoyable documentary if you like those behind the scenes. It's kind of like a behind the music back back uh, in the day. I used to eat those up. And so I enjoyed. What's, what's it, what is it called again? Elise and Tom. Okay. And so those are the, that's all I got on the schedule and I cannot well, there's wait. There's a lot to- of, a lot of theater going on too. You've got a uh, million dollar quartet at stages, uh, games of foot, Shakespeare in the streets this weekend in front of the soccer stadium. And it's free. It's and the games. You've- yeah. The games of foot, uh, Benjamin Hockman of the St. Louis post-dispatch sports writer. He yep. wrote this and it's based on the Henriad of Shakespeare and also a lot of soccer stories. What's really cool about this, because I know you're going and I'm going Friday night, Saturday, they're going to allow everybody with a wristband to go into City Park and watch, have a big watch party after oh, wow. the show. So the show is at six o'clock i think on friday i mean saturday and i mean everything's free but you gotta have a wristband to go into the stadium and they're gonna have a watch party but what is also very cool about this i love shakespeare in the streets and it's been 10 years and it's so fun it's just it's just a, a celebration of st louis and it's a celebration of what this shakespeare festival tries to do and uh they're always fun. They're always local. And uh, so this has been going on for 10 years. You know, they couldn't do it during the pandemic. And then we had that unfortunate weekend in 2017 where, um, was it 2017 or 2018, where we had the unrest? Oh, uh, yeah. The Shockley verdict. Yeah. And so that was the weekend and they had to cancel. So those are the only two that they haven't done, but it is the 10th anniversary. And also the Layman trilogy at the rep is getting glowing rave reviews. I have to warn people, this is a three hour and 45 minute show. Oh, wow. It won the Tony. And yes, it's about the Layman brothers who are credited as one of the architects of the the fall, the financial crash of fall 2008. And it's that history. It's the family history. It's a lesson in American greed and all that. And apparently it's incredible. So uh, you want to see something really, you want to see some thrilling theater, check out the rep. And then uh, because of my illness, I have had to push everything back. So suddenly last summer is at the Tennessee Williams Festival and it is only 90 minutes and it's at Coca. And we had Carrie Hulk last week and it sounds like a fabulous cast. And I just think that that is one of our favorite things in town because Tennessee Williams did live here. So it's the U city years. Yes. 
Well, Lynn, where can we find you now that you're uh, almost well? <laughs> I am on KTRS every Friday with Jennifer and Wendy, 11.08 a.m. right after the news. But Jennifer's in France, so um, Josh Gilbert and Joe Hallman are filling in and uh, different days, depending yeah. on their schedules. And I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times. I am in uh, of the, my website, poplifestl.com. And I'm on all the socials. Where are you, Carl? You can hear me Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show on 97.1 FM Talk. And then on the weekends, Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors on 97.1 and KMOX. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Threads. I'm sorry, Instagram, X, and Threads at underscore Carl the Intern. Hockey is starting up, I believe, on the 23rd. That's our first game. Woo! And the St. Louis Symphony is going to have their free outdoor concert next Thursday. And yeah. I'm really excited. I hope that I can get to that. Uh, I I have gone the last couple of years and I always have a good time with it. I know. It's exciting. So there's a lot going on. This is yeah. going to be fun. So everybody stay safe and be healthy. And uh, this COVID thing is no joke. Because you had it. Yes. I can All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. So long. Be well. <laughs> <laughs>